Hello, ladies and gentlefolk, and welcome to today's episode of the Literary Lampion podcast, where we shine a light on us, some aspects of famous literary works that you may have missed. I'm your host, Lauren, and today I'll be joined by a lovely guest while we discuss how some of the characters of The Handmaid's Tale change on a personal level as they're objectified and exploited by Gilead society. So, my lovely guest, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh my gosh, I'm your lovely guest. Oh my yes, gosh. Um, my name's Julia, and I'm the lovely guest. Um, <laughs> so, what do you have for us today? So, today we're going to be talking about three characters from The Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. And so each of these characters are seen both before slash during and after Gilead's rise to power. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be talking about Alfred, who, since we don't know her, our girl, the main character, um, I would love it if I could refer to her as not as Alfred um, when talking about, yeah. you know, before Gilead, but we don't know what her name is. Mm-hmm. So I can't. Um, then we have Moira, her best friend. Mm-hmm. And we have Janine or Alvorin. Now okay. we're going to start with our girl, Alfred. So we see Alfred and all three of these characters before the reign of Gilead and during their rise to power um, through flashback sequences, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we see Alfred, um, you know, raising her daughter. We see her starting her relationship with Luke. We see her uh, having fun with Moira. Just hanging out a couple of best friends. Just a couple of best friends. You know, she is kind and deeply caring. Um, We see a lot of anxiety in her um, Mm -hmm. when Gilead is just rising to power, when Mm -hmm. she's trying to flee. But she's very much there, you know. She is... Mm -hmm. It, it is because she cares so much that she is anxious. She's not just, like, in a in a dark room being all nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, when I read the book, I saw her as basically being in a constant state of, like, dissociation. But then after Gilead's full rise to power, after she is, like, trained in the Red Center as a handmaid, mm-hmm. she becomes very removed. I agree with that. She's very just everything's happening and she's just there for it yeah she she doesn't really have like a sense of self anymore Mm -hmm. she you know she says it um multiple times in multiple different ways um if you go to page 166 of your textbooks and by that i mean the handmaid's tale um Mm -hmm. She says, um, I have trouble remembering what I used to look like. I have viable ovaries. I have one more chance. The mm-hmm. only thing about herself that she can tell you for sure is that she has a functioning reproductive tract. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's what Gilead wanted. They They objectified her. They dehumanized her to the point where... Now it's not only the outside of society, you know, now it's not only the commanders 
and the guardians and the angels doing all of this it's herself mm-hmm. even even to herself she's an object think of herself as a person anymore it's so sad yeah just to see gilead have been so successful Mm -hmm. and it's like the way that it's presented is it doesn't seem like a long period of time has passed like you know she's still like luke might be out there still you know you might still be like alive around i'm still you know here present i can i still have ovaries so she's not like 40 years old or anything you know what i mean I think I it's three it. years. Yeah, so it's a very short period of time. Yeah, because so... her mm-hmm. daughter was five when they try to run away, and she says mm-hmm. that her daughter is would be eight. Mm. So it's three mm-hmm. years, and in three years, <laughs> she doesn't even see herself as herself. Yeah, completely lost any sense of her former self, just gone. Not there. Yeah, and on a very similar note, Moira. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that Moira is one of my favorite characters. (laughs) I fully agree. (laughs) Um, Moira, she's a fighter. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. When she was in the Red Center, she was brought to the same one as Alfred, she was not sticking around. Yes. She tried to get out once by claiming she was ill. She was returned. It, it was very heavily implied that her the soles of her feet were whipped with uh, like steel cord. Mm-hmm. And then she tried again. The absolute mad lad. Mm-hmm. And she succeeded. Mm-hmm. She threatened one of the ants, one of the trainers, with basically a shiv from the inside of a toilet. Yeah. Disguised Moira. herself as the aunt and got out. Yes, Moira. Yes, Moira. We love to see it. But mm. even in that moment of victory, we see a degree of objectification and dehumanization mm-hmm. because even though it was in a positive sense, Moira became less of a person to the other handmaids in training mm-hmm. and, and more of like a folk story. Mm-hmm. When it goes so severely in in both ways if if you give in you get um demonized by the other like handmaids in training as with janine who they saw as like the sniveling like teacher's pet um Mm -hmm. or you become a folk hero there's no way to just be a person Mm -hmm. even among other handmaids and even though Moira succeeded in escaping the life of a handmaid, she succeeded in escaping a life determined by her uterus and ovaries. Mm-hmm. She ended up becoming a Jezbel, which is an escort, um, essentially. So she's still a victim of the male gaze and the patriarchy. The patriarchy. Um, 
she's just objectified for a different part of her reproductive tract. Both sexual, still, they, they never leave. It never stops. <laughs> <laughs> it never stops. It, it's always there. And She just looks a little different now. <laughs> she just wears a bunny costume. That doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. <laughs> and you see, again, in Moira, she loses herself. Even though she, the way that she puts it, she has more freedom than other women in the society. And, you know, maybe she really does. Mm -hmm. She still loses herself to the constant objectification. She starts off as this caring but loud, unapologetic and, like, crass woman who's just in it for a good time. And Mm -hmm. you can still see some of that when she's in the red center, when she's a Jezebel. But they those traits seem more muted, more performed. It's mm-hmm. like she remembers who she once was, but that's all it is, a memory. And now she's play-acting that role. Mm-hmm. It's just like all of the hope that she had, just like you just see it slowly fade away. And it's, it's so painful to read. But I mean... Mm-hmm. I get what she's saying when she's like, I have a little bit more freedom because, like, at least they can talk to each other, you yes. know. But it's, it's still awful. Yeah, I mean, her choices were be dead, uh, enslaved in a hard labor, be a walking incubator, or be an escort. And she said, you know what, I'll, I'll take the escort. Thanks. Yeah, that's Bye. not a lot of options. Mm-mm. One of them is dead. And two of them are related to her having genetically female traits. Woo! 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 Yeah. And then one is a hard label. So you could could say that all of them are death, really? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yes. One of them is literal death. Yeah, one of them is is literal death, but it takes Mm -hmm. a little longer. And the other two are death of the self. Woo! Woo! Um, and as we briefly touched on earlier, Janine doesn't get out scot-free. Janine is... Um, now, Afra didn't know Janine before the Red Center. Mm-hmm. So we don't get to see that same side of her that we see with Moira like in the true before times Mm -hmm. but we see her um in the red center she's a little bit quiet she seems very mournful at least to me Mm -hmm. um she experienced a lot of trauma (laughs) like a lot of trauma and we see that being used to demean her and break her during the testifying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she she did appeal to the aunts. She did become something of a teacher's pet to protect herself. Mm-hmm. And that really shows you that's that first break of her sense of self, her, her, her personhood, when mm-hmm. she gives in to appeal to her tormentors Mm -hmm. and then by the like present timeline of the novel Janine now known as of Warren um Mm -hmm. 
at least to Offred, who is something of an unreliable narrator. Um, mm-hmm. Speaks to her being seeming prideful, seeming like holier than thou, because by the time of the main events of the novel, she's pregnant. She's a pregnant mm-hmm. handmaid. Um, and it does seem as though because she's been so broken, because she ha- truly has no sense of self beyond what society has made her, that being a walking womb, mm-hmm. um, she feels this immense pride for fulfilling her role. Then, mm-hmm. you know, we see her give birth. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. You don't see a lot of her character while she's giving birth. And I don't blame her. <laughs> that seems like a time where it's hard to be yourself there's Uh, only so much you can um say when you're without anesthetic and you're giving birth yeah Yeah, when there's only so much there's only so much you can do when there are like 30 people in the room while you are giving watching you painkiller chanting Um, something at you and you're just like hey guys i might die (laughs) (laughs) hey literally every handmaid in this district (laughs) <laughs> we so we see that pride that all, all, as close to joy as she can have mm-hmm. but then it comes out that the baby had some kind of birth defect it's never mm-hmm. said what it was and she is broken and you know <laughs> I think most people who have given birth are going to have some trouble if their child has any kind of like issues when they're born Mm -hmm. but this goes beyond you know a concerned parent Mm -hmm. she's not concerned for the life of the child she she's worried about her life yeah she blames herself not for you know this this child having to live a harder life but for failing as a handmaid she Mm -hmm. has she doesn't view herself as an individual and as an extension of that she can't view the child as one either mm-hmm. and you know all three of these they're they're different flavors of they're different the breeds. Loss of self. uh-huh each manifests that loss of self in different ways mm-hmm. but each of them is heart-wrenching in their own way And it really just goes to show how, you know, objectification and exploitation just removes your ability to perceive yourself and those around you as individuals. And Mm -hmm. you just become a husk. I think that without those like different point of views just because they're also you know drastic they're so mm-hmm. different it would be such like a loss to have them all be similar so I'm really glad that's how it played out same I, I think it's really it's like, important it's easy to see people you know in these characters as well because I know when I was reading it like there's a couple I was like uh, you would react like that because it's it's like bad to think about you and your friends in that kind of situation but you know that's kind of what you do when you read a book so yeah and honestly reading this kind of book you know as someone with presumably 
functioning ovaries. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to imagine yourself in these situations. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to see yourself and, you know, those those who you care about as these characters and just feel that loss. Mm-hmm. I think the part that made me, like, feel the most was um, during the flashback where, like, everyone's debit cards and, like, bank accounts got taken away and it's, like, women can't purchase property anymore. Like, I read that and, like, my mouth was, like, my jaw was on the floor. (laughs) I felt every single word of that chapter. It hurt so bad. I was, like, oh, my God. Yeah, because... That's the part that made me, like, realize just, like, how believable the story is. Like, it's not, but it is. And that's the point. (laughs) Because, you know, you you read the premise and you're like, that could never happen. That is foolish. That is then, that is tomfoolery. And then you read it. And then you see the descent into totalitarianism and you realize, oh, no, this that is could happen. Because <laughs> it's just uh, bank accounts gone, fired from your job, government's dead. And you're like, three easy Uh-oh. steps to a dictatorship. <laughs> you're like, okay. We hate to see it. You hate Um, to see it. (laughs) But unfortunately, that is all the time we have. Oh my goodness. Thank you again for coming on to the show today. Um, You're so welcome. And I would heartily recommend to all the listeners at home, if you have not already, go read The Handmaid's Tale. Um, Oops, we kind of spoiled it. But we didn't spoil it too bad. We didn't spoil it too bad. And honestly, <sighs> the impact of it stays, even if you know yeah. what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It stays. So go read it if you haven't. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>